complex things, right? If everybody's wearing Air Force Ones, you don't want to be the kid pulling up with the curries. Like you want, the, you know what I'm saying? You want, you want the forces like everybody because social acceptance is a big thing. And so like your sexuality is such a big part of that because everybody has a boyfriend. Everybody has, yep. you know, the, the 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 a Valentine or this or that. And then you pull up with the with the with the shorty. They're like, what, what's this about? You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Yo, that's not exactly. like nobody's doing that. So like, what are you doing? You know. Meanwhile, there's other people <laughs> struggling with the same thing, but because of the, the the culture that we grow up in and you know what we're taught, it's just like, yeah, I'll deal with this later. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley, and I'm so happy you came by. The Queerly Black Show aims to normalize the everyday existence of black LGBTQIA plus individuals through an interview style series with regular folks like you and me. So every week, a new guest shares their story and unique perspective on their existence as an LGBTQIA plus individual. Thank you for tuning in and make sure you subscribe, download, set your reminders to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Quirly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'm joined today with a special guest. We got Justice in the building. Goes by defining justice on all platforms. Justice, Indeed. tell the people about yourself. How's it going? My name is Justice. I go by defining justice literally on all platforms, like Ashley said. Uh, I'm a spoken word poet, um, activist, and songwriter. Super excited to be on this platform, of, of course, talking to queer folks. Um, and I'm excited to get the conversation going. Yes, indeed, man. Well, you know how we do over here, man. We got to get started from the beginning. Let's do it. <laughs> what was the first time you knew you liked them ladies? That's a great question. It is a question that is so funny to answer. I would say, you know, I knew that I liked ladies probably the same time around anyone. Any the average person knew they like they like the opposite sex, right? So um, I think for me, it was a definitely very once I understood what crushes, what, you know, what, what it looked like, what that entailed from a feeling aspect. I knew that, oh, shoot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I like women. Uh, but in terms of accepting them, that was a process for me. So I would say around, you know, to, like around third grade for me is where I pinpoint the moment where I'm like, this is a crush. I, I know this. And I think when that's- classmates? It wasn't a classmate. Actually, funny you know, it was a church. It was a church. Oh. <laughs> so when I was a church, actually, she didn't even go to my church. She was uh, visiting- uh, with her friend who went to my church and they were older so I was like in elementary school they were in middle school and I just knew I'm like there's something about this girl I'm feeling, I'm feeling away about it and I'm like this is what that is you <laughs> was crushing is. on it you was crushing on the guest at the church yo exactly it was like you know all the visitors if you can stand up introduce yourself you was like oh oh that's the one you know that's what they do in those old Baptist <laughs> that visitor man. if you visiting you stand gotta up, stand up <laughs> say where you, you from <laughs> So, I, you know, so my gay self back then, of course, you know what that looks like in a church aspect. Um, and I grew up heavily religious, so I was really confused at that, right? So it's like I knew what it was, but I was told so many different ways that this is not that. And especially my first pressure being at church, it's like, this is this is going to be a challenge. <laughs> this is a wrong problem. place, wrong time. <laughs> wrong place, wrong time, indeed. Like the definition of that. So that was that was the moment that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> nice so that's third grade did you ever date guys I did I actually dated guys way, way into my adulthood I wouldn't say way into my adulthood like right I'm only 27 so I would say I dated guys up until probably like my senior year of college so that was like 2021 <laughs> so um but again for me I had to have acceptance first 
Um, and especially because I grew up Christian, um, was super active in my faith. So it definitely prolonged the process. So I definitely forced myself to date men in hopes that it would eventually go away. And that lasted to college. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that all that time, you, uh, what was the, what was like your mindset kind of through that process, obviously trying to um, hope that it would change. But as you're going through this process, I'm sure like you're probably crushing on girls, like there's (laughs) girls that you're seeing like, oh man, I'm really attracted to her. But in your, because of your faith, obviously you can't like, you feel like you can't live into it. But like, what was your, what was the, the, the process for you in your mind? Great question. Yeah. So, okay, I'm gonna be really vulnerable and super transparent. Um, in elementary school, I remember this specifically like that. I went to, to add another layer to this. I went to a Christian private school where it was a, a, a rumor that if, you know, you know, you got pregnant, you know what I mean? Caught doing drugs, which is obvious or um, caught being gay, that you can get kicked out of the school. And I was big into school. Like I had to have my grades on point. My family was big on that. So I was like, okay. Um, so I remember essentially praying that it would go away when I was a kid. Like, I don't want to go to hell. Like hell was a fear thing, right? Like church was almost weird in the sense that they use that fear tactic to get you to comply. So for me, it was like, I don't want to go to hell. It sounds like a terrible place. You know, I can suck it up and let me just pray, you know, I would, I would be crying, praying like, okay, it has to go away. I think that mindset, mindset of praying it will go away shifted in high school. Um, I had moved to Texas and for some reason, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. Uh, so shout out to KCMO, the Midwest. Uh, when I moved to Texas for like a year with my dad in high school, it just seemed so much more advanced. So it was a lot more uh, women specifically um, identifying as bisexual. And I don't know if Nicki Minaj had to do with the wave of like everybody was flaunting it. I don't know. I feel like Nicki had a, like that time period where she was on her rise and she was kind of playing with the bisexual piece. Girls at school started talking about it. So for me, then it was I was super awkward because I'm like, okay, I'm not praying that it goes away. So I feel like it's not going <laughs> going to go away. But I do have hope that I might find a guy that I actually vibe with and might like want to be with. But I like flirting with women. So I was this awkward girl that was like, flirting with my crushes without explicitly saying that I liked it. Um, I probably came out to one person in high school. Not probably, I did. One person, sophomore year of high school in Texas. And it just kept, after that, it's kept it under wraps. And then my whole awkwardness of like flirting, playing the friend role, still hoping that, okay, if it won't go away, maybe I'll find a guy that I like, you know, good enough. So that was my process. I think college was a time where you know, towards the ladder, and I'm like, you know, I'm successful. This ain't going away. This is who I am. Let me walk in that authenticity. Yeah. So that was yeah. my process. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I mean, and then, like, obviously, like, flirting with girls kind of gave you, like, a little bit of the, like, it kind of helped, like, yeah, release a little bit of the energy. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, the energy was so definitely was like, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> release a little bit of the energy. Um, but do you feel like becoming independent, of like your parents and like mm-hmm. uh, your parental sources essentially uh, gave you like a little bit more strength to be able to just be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's like the biggest, my biggest regret is that I leaned on my independency or I should have leaned on my radical acceptance of myself. Um, acceptance of who I was, no matter the consequences. I feared the consequence, right? I feared the perception because along with that, I was like very decorated. Like I'm like, okay, I've got good grades. I beat all odds of like my family dynamics to like make it to college and I'm a leader on campus and all this. And will that change? 
if I came out as a lesbian woman, not only a lesbian woman, but a masculine presenter, because I was always tomboy. I got the girliest in college. Um, and so I'm like, I do want to, you know, identify as a masculine lesbian woman. Well, how is it going to change the church's perception, campus's perception, my mentor's perception of me? You know, I do want to, I was closer to home. So that dependency on like the acceptance of my family was very um, important to me. And I wish that wasn't the case, man. I wish it wasn't the case, <laughs> but it was, yeah. it was. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's, it's a lot of people's journey because it's like, you're not really going th- like, it's too much to unwind. Like it's way too much yeah. to, to try to figure out. Right. Like you're like, all right, so I got to go to school. Yeah. I got to get good grades. I got to get out the hood. So I got to go to college. I got to yeah. uh, still have a, a decent career. I got to be social and mm-hmm. I can't go to hell. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like what? Like, trauma. Bruh, you know what I'm saying? Like commit it's me now. Lot. Just commit me to the nearest psychiatric hospital because trying to unwind all that is crazy. Like, and then to think about like, even with the best of parents, like the parents that you feel like, oh man, you know, my parents not going to trip on this. You still be like, but you know what? it's that one percent chance that they might go ape on me and I like I can't handle that right now like I gotta just stay focused and put my head down you know and so that journey is just like it's just crazy you know like unless you're like sometimes people be like man you know I got outed but like I'm so (laughs) glad I got outed because I was so sick of dealing with that absolutely it's a lot of it's a lot of PTSD that comes with it man it's just like you know as a child we already have to deal with you know, finding ourselves regardless of our sexuality, right? As Black people, we got to figure out how to navigate life. As individuals, I mean, you know, some people get bullied, you know what I mean? It's like we have to, we, we have so many different ebbs and flows already to add this extra layer, which is like, man, you serious? I ain't with this right <laughs> now. Right? I can't even, not I can't right even now. add this right now, right now, bro. Right now. <laughs> I'm, I'll be 30 before this come out because exactly. I can't. You know, I ain't got no time for this right now. This sexuality stuff, I'm cool. Like, you know, and, it's crazy. And to me, it's also fascinating how it's like for some folks, for me specifically, I felt like I was protecting someone else's feelings. Like, to go more into that, my grandmother is my best friend. Or is my best friend, right? She is that for me. And we still, to this day, are best friends. And she's this, oh my gosh, the epitome of a, you know, Black grandmother that was is Baptist, Bible, Bible reading, like, woman, right? And that was my biggest, I don't want to upset her. Yeah. You know, my mom took a route that, you know, wasn't celebrated because of, you know, trauma and, and mental health issues. And so, you know, I was the child that's like, I'm going to change the, the narrative for our family, right? So it's like, I don't want you to feel like you failed all of us because I'm coming out gay. And I know you're going to take that as, what did I do? Mm. What happened to mm. make you this way? And I'm like, dude. I don't even want to have that tough conversation. I'm protecting you by crippling myself. It's wild, man. It's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. But it's just like that's the uh that's the that's the that's the process. It's like you don't want to disappoint people, you don't want to bring embarrassment or shame to your family, and you're too young, immature to really understand that like this is who I am. You know, exactly. like it, that's like such a radical place to get to. Like this is who I am like that's yeah. like some adult shit like I'm, I'm a grown person and that and then I realized like oh this is who I am is really not gonna change and like I ain't really yeah. have to go through none of that but because you we are all the things that we learn like who what what our surroundings are where we grow up where we live 
we just want you just want to be accepted right and exactly. so if every if, if at every place that you exist this thing is not accepted you're not gonna you you like if everybody likes vanilla ice cream you're not gonna be like well i like chocolate right they're gonna be like oh like you like chocolate like simple stuff we're not even talking right. about complex things right if everybody's <laughs> wearing air force ones you don't want to be the kid pulling up with the curries like not you want the, you know what i'm saying you want, you want <laughs> the forces like everybody because social acceptance is a big thing and so like your sexuality is such a big part of that because everybody has a boyfriend. Everybody has, yep. you know, the, 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 a Valentine or this or that. And then you yeah. pull up with the, with the, with the shorty, they're like, what, what's this about? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no, that's not exactly. like, nobody's doing that. So like, what are you mm-hmm. doing? You know, meanwhile, yeah. there's other people <laughs> struggling with the same thing, but because of the, the, the culture that we grow up in and you know, what we're taught, it's just like, yeah, I'll deal with this later. <laughs> yeah and that's what we do we do it we do with ourselves later we put ourselves yeah. on the back burner for because, sure for sure you know we gotta I mean? get out the hood we gotta get we got other things to do you know like we gotta get ourselves to you know economic safety we gotta get ourselves to like i'm trying to get my moms out the hood i'm trying to do yeah. this i'm trying to do that i'm trying yeah. to like take Survival care of this t- yeah you know yeah. and so you know even you look at from a psychological standpoint you look at like maslow's high maslow's hierarchy of needs sexuality ain't at the bottom like sexuality is not important like we need food shelter safety like you don't even get to like emotional stuff till you get to the top top like so we got it we we like 30 before we really like reach a full maturation of like our sexuality you know so it it makes perfect sense why like people would be like oh like you came out so late like but everybody already knew well did 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 I know that I could do that and like live authentically in that though? That's yeah. like a whole different space, you know. So absolutely, it's crazy. What up? It's your host Ashley, and I'm interrupting this podcast to ask: Are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms. Queerly Black. I'm gonna let y'all get back to the show. Peace. It's crazy. You bring up a good point in that, you know, especially for Black folks, Black queer folk, right? I think our journey obviously is unique um, to anyone else's because of, you know, systemic racism, because of kind of the trajectory of our nation when it comes to Black and Brown folks. So we still, we still got to figure out that bottom pyramid. And for the long time, the longest time, I'm still advocating for, hey, I just need my basic needs as a Black, Black woman right yeah i can't even touch sexuality and add that later on <laughs> we're like, not even there it's interesting. Very interesting you know we're not even there you know we still over here like we're going through covid you know and i just mean as black people like we're going through covid and people like yeah like when my stimulus gonna hit you talking about you know a couple hundred dollars but this is like the difference between you know survival and being put out your house Exactly. you know th- exactly. you think these people worrying about sexuality like we not <laughs> that's not the focus we like we got to pray because this you know these lights gonna be cut off that gay yeah. stuff got to wait till tomorrow they you know like wait. that's <laughs> we ain't got yeah. time for that right now you know and it's Absolutely. unfortunate because it just highlights so many more things about us as a culture mm-hmm. and i think even more so why like for this platform in particular I wanted to focus on black people, right? Because there's obviously other people that are gay, the other stories to tell. But I think the journey as a black gay person is very different. Like it's very, very complex. There's so much to unwind because of 
not wanting to disappoint people because of coming out of slavery and church and God and hymns being what got us through that. So -hmm. then we carry that through everything else, career, through survival, through mom's got to feed all the kids and praying that, you know, this is the, God is the thing that got her through all of that. Yeah. But who I am goes against the thing that, you know what I'm saying? That goes against (laughs) the very thing that's gotten her through every part of her life. So now who am I to come with my sexuality and be like, Hey, I know that you read that Bible and I know that that Bible got us through everything, but check this out. (laughs) (laughs) This, Mm. this part of me goes against everything that has gotten you through every part of your life. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then because we're so radical as millennials, the lack of patience to allow them to go through the process of like, whoa, yeah, Yeah. this is my child, but what, you know what I'm saying? Like, this is my child, but like, what you talking about? Yeah. What are you, you know, and then to your point earlier about the disappointment, like, okay, now what did I do? I did, I felt like I, I prayed for her. I fed her. Mm -hmm. I sent her to school, made sure her uniform was clean. We, you know like took her to church choir rehearsal yep. and she telling me she liked the girl at the church no, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean like what is this it's, you know so it's just such a wild thing and then we are they send us to school they send us to go think more you know be better be educated yeah. right so then we're educated enough to say damn if I do this this is gonna really really upset her <laughs> so then we take on all of the emotion and all of the, the struggle that's going to have to be revealed anyway, because mm-hmm. we are gay. Yeah. it's gonna. <laughs> but we take struggle. on that whole battle for them, for yeah. our parents, for our, for our grandparents, for all these people, and then become 30 and be like, well, you know, or 20 or whatever, and be like, you know what? Forget it. Yeah. Yeah. That's who I am. You know? So it's yeah. just such a loaded thing as a black person to go through, you know what I mean? So, or as a minority period, because I think there are a lot of other races who go through similar, some even more difficult situations. Some get killed. Some just have like really unsafe situations, but it's really, really challenging. So yeah. yeah, To your point. Soapbox for the day. No, no, to your (laughs) point too. You talked about something about the patience piece, you know, and I'm learning how to have a perfect balance of grace, grace given. I, I get the history. I get what shaped you and what brought you through. Faith was a part, faith brought me through. And, but also balancing grace with urgency, meaning now you sent me off to your point to learn more, to educate myself, to have access to resources, access to information that you were deprived of given the circumstances of our country as it relates to black people and every other minority. Um, But now I need you to catch up and we need to do some unlearning together. And to be yeah. real honest and vulnerable with each other. Yeah. But at the same time, I gotta I gotta extend grace, meaning I'm shifting your whole way of life. Like you're like I am really I'm unraveling it. And it's causing you to be frantic and defensive. And no, 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 now you're shutting me down. Now here comes the hate. Now here. So how it is like how, like the goal is that balance, right? Um, the balance of understanding and pushing at the same yeah. time. Like yeah. that's and knowing how to. It's who it's a good balance, you know. I think even um my wife and I deal with the same thing in our families, right? We're like, we push only when we have to, you know, yeah. like we push at those critical points, like, you know, um, when we're going to be in the same space or yeah. we bought a house and you guys are going to come to our home and you have to respect 
both people, you know, or, you know, we're going to get married or we're going to do, we're going to have a baby. We're going to like all these critical milestones, right? We're like, okay, now I have to push you because there's this situation where there has to be respect. Mm, And regardless of how you feel, if you can't respect, if you don't have respect, then you're not going to be able to exist in this space. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like what it comes down to. You know what I mean? Right. Is that I don't want my person to be in this environment or myself to be in this environment and feel like I got to babysit you because yeah. you might come off and say something crazy or do something yeah. wild. And I'm like, all right, so now, you know, we now, now it's, it now it's to a point where we are almost, we almost can't exist in the same space because you don't know how to act. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's wild, you know? So yeah. It's it's Take a crazy courage. situation. Take some courage, man. You know what I mean. Talking a lot right now. <laughs> you know what I mean. But I, I definitely wanted to talk about. Um, so you are in a divine eye organization. You're a Delta. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, I want you to talk about. Um, you mentioned also that you became the most girly in college. Yeah. And so I'm <laughs> curious if there's a correlation <laughs> between the two. Yeah, so yeah. You so you, you think I'll pick that up? Uh, You're so good. You're so no, good. I went so so that obviously. So let me share this that um I went to Howard. Okay. Okay. So you know I know what's up. Um, what's up? I have t- tons of friends that are in divine eye organizations, so I know what it is. I was also a grad assistant in the sophomore dorm, so I know what it is. So you know what it so, is. So you know. So when you said that, I was like, okay, I wonder if it had. And then what what school did you go to? I went to Kansas State University in Manhattan, okay. Kansas. That's where I went. Yeah, yeah. Because so. I have a friend that's uh, one of my one of my really really good friends. She's a she's a Delta as well. But um, we she's okay. actually her episode is on here too. And um, she we talked about this too. And um, she actually pledged as a as herself as a stud. You know, she was masculine presenting and dreads and the whole nine yards. And we yeah. talked about it, you know, and just like how complicated or not complicated that was for her right because again there are people who um will take her route and there are people who will take your route mm-hmm. to accomplish the goal of being in this amazing organization so talk about your your journey and your reasons and kind of why you yeah. did it the way you did it absolutely i think my okay so let's let's set the tone right kansas city missouri right? yeah <laughs> let's start there right yeah another layer Kansas State University is in the state of Kansas, right? Where you have, first of all, I think when I was on campus, you have about, shoot, 12 to 15, 1,600 at best Black folks on, on campus, right? And Rodent Underground actually on campus. Um, so that's a layer. Um, you know, everybody else was, you know, you know, white folks from the, the random <laughs> city, small town cities in Kansas, right? Uh, on farmland, et cetera. So the amount of representation on campus for queer folk in general, no matter what race is slim, you put that down to the black lens, right? Um, what was to the observe, you know, the eye, you know, so face value, right? Not understanding who someone's sexuality is or what, what that, that looks like and how they identify. You know, you don't see it, you didn't see it. So for me in college, right? I knew I always I always wanted to be a Delta, so I knew coming onto campus that that was an organization I was seeking. And right, I think we honestly had someone who was masculine presenting in the in the chapter. In my, definitely in Ada Gamma, but they were before my time. I did not know that person. Uh, I did not know my story at that time. 
And so essentially for me, it was, again, that layer of, I don't want to be perceived as if I can't be in this space. Again, internal, more than someone actually telling me that. But uh, mind you, in this time, I was still more feminine presenting, right? So it wasn't like I switched over from masculine to feminine, even though I was tomboy. I was still more feminine. It was still question marks, right? Yeah. And yeah. it's funny, a lot of you had it, you had it, you had it fully uh, tra- trans transitioned exactly. your the way you dress at that exactly. point. It was still very feminine. Got it. Still very feminine. So and it's funny looking back, right? My profile is a joke and say, yeah, we bit, we knew, we knew. <laughs> but in my time, I, and it's so funny. I remember a particular story. If I was biking on a girl freshman year of college, we were having our our different our experience with each other. Um, who turned out to be one of my good friends later on in life. But, um, you know, I was mad at her. I was getting so mad. And Vince is my best friend uh, who went to another college about it. But I remember so mad because she had said something that was like around my profiles, my potential profiles at the time, right? Because I was an interest. Said something that alluded to us interacting. And she was known as a lesbian. Like, that was a known thing. And I just remember being so upset about it. Like, why would you open your mouth and share my business, right? I remember being so infuriated with it because I thought it was going to prevent me from pledging the next the next semester and so um so for me it was definitely I was definitely like okay I'm going to continue to be operating this femininity that I have right um from a presentation standpoint and then once I crossed oh that's even that's even worse right because now everybody else I mean we're traveling we're interacting with friends you know what I mean like we're doing this. We got to do a step show. We got And then Delta, you got to look like this. You know, everybody else, we dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. So for, so that girl, the girliest I ever was, was because of the, the, the my space, right? It's like, all right, for one, I won't get into like the logistics of our organizations, but yeah, certain times I had to wear a skirt. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There are certain times where, you know, we throwing a party. I got to be a baddie. <laughs> I got to mm-hmm. be a baddie, bro. I got to mm-hmm. walk the damn hills. <laughs> And this tight club, all these people are strolling around this party, twerking and whatever. You know, I couldn't really dance. <laughs> That's another story in itself. But um, I had to. They look trying to that. freak on you, and you in there like, bruh, you know, like, like, okay, you know what you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, that was that was me and, in Kansas. In Kansas, in Kansas, we definitely had some lit situation. Mm-hmm. You know, what up? It's your host, Ashley, and I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. Uh, shout out to Ada Gamer. That's my chapter. But um, it was, again, nothing especially told, except I just knew, I knew I had to look the part. I had to look the part. I had to play into this character. I love saying playing into a character because it was a character. I'm not that person anymore. I was playing into a character that I thought would be the safest because I knew I wanted this. And um, once I got it, then I was like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all right, cool. But that's yeah, here. To your point about independency, right? It's not just independency of family dynamics. It's independency from the shackles of social acceptance in mm-hmm. settings like college where we have a lot of groups um groups of, of people coming together for whatever the reason and you want to be accepted by the group that you're trying to infiltrate so it again when i talk about radical acceptance of myself and my coming out process that's key because once you radically accept yourself who cares if man who cares <laughs> you can't touch me listen 
people don't get that like it's it's, it's kind of crazy like i feel like coming out as as a gay person is like one of the greatest gifts like when you able to do that because you really don't care after that like you really be like why you think i care you think i like what you can't touch me (laughs) you can't touch me what nah nah crazy like what once you didn't talk to you once you didn't sat across from your grandma and your mama with tears oh what you think i care about what you think what what and i wish i could go back and say man justice if delta wasn't going to accept you because you identify as a lesbian woman and your mask presented is was that really the space for you but the thing is though like it's hard because of all of the the principles right like the morals that come along with being in that organization absolutely like so is this like is this all that i have to do to 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 (laughs) to be a part of this right like for some people what you did is like nah like i could never do that like i could never like put on a skirt i could never like put on you know what i'm saying and then for some it's like this is what i got this is the level of assimilation all right cool i can do that because some people have to go and marry a man Mm. have children live in a heterosexual in a heteronormative fashion because they're afraid of what's on the other side so like it's like okay is this all i gotta do (laughs) this is all i gotta do you know what i mean but um just to just to 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 keep to to stay on the topic of your fashion um so when did you start to to move through um and kind of come into your own as far as like how you dressed yeah, it's a, that's a great question because that actually um, took place after college. So I'm a labor woman, and I, that came with its own set of nuances in <laughs> uh, just dating and stuff. Um, but specifically, it, I would say my first year, I, so out of college, I moved to the East Coast. I moved to central Pennsylvania, about an hour from Philly, an hour from Philly, an hour away from New York City. Um, and that's when, when I, again, the detachment from home, the detachment from people who knew me, I was able to say, okay, I have a clean slate with my identity. Now, here comes the extra layer that now that I'm out of college, it's navigating this corporate space because <laughs> I'm in corporate America. So again, I think the process was, I was starting to go through the same questions in my head. What happens when I do this, when I do that, et cetera? Because we weren't, I don't think companies, especially my organization, we weren't at the space of, being ra- radical about conversations that we were having. <laughs> so it was still this question mark where I was very much so summer 2017 or 2016. That's when I'm sorry. Summer 2016, very like, okay, let me, let me, let me get my game. Let me <laughs> work on my swag a little bit when it comes to the, my, my masculine presenting, um, you know, personality persona. Let me find who I am in this, in this new, this new world, if you will. But at the same time, I was still, playing it cool at work right mm-hmm. so I remember you know you can look at my page and see old pictures I'm like Tiana Taylor I'm like a Tiana Taylor right I'm like dressed up in like dude's clothes but then I have like lipstick on and like my nails done and then the nuance of when dating when a girl used that against me and leveraged that against me when she was upset at me I'm like dang like you were a part of my community and now you're I'm not masculine enough for you right but also, I, I feel like I'm not masculine enough for myself, right? And then I'm not feminine enough for the spaces that I want to be a part of. And so it took me a while. I would say by the second year out of college, I was fully, completely transitioned. Um, 
but that first year out, it was, I was still playing the fence a bit. So outside of work, I was operating in it at work. I'm like, okay, let me be, all right, I have this work conference. Let me put on, grab the, the little same. work deals. You know what I mean? <laughs> same, same. You can same. resonate with it. Man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but we see like, e- like even in college, like we at a uh, school to be at, at Howard, we had to wear a suit freshman mm-hmm. year every Tuesday and Thursday. And girls had to wear a skirt suit. Oh, like it was like old school. Yeah. Like they used to call us a coat, (laughs) like on campus, they used to call us a coat, but like we was indoctrinated into the business world of like, when you go to work, you got to look a certain way, regardless of how other people was looking. And this was like, this is, you know, 10, 10, 10, 14, 15 years ago, where jeans was becoming a thing, like casual Fridays. And it was like, nah, we can't do that. Like we can't, because at school, like from very, very early, like we freshmen and they like, yeah, nah, you can't, you can't wear that. Oh, that's not, you know? So then like getting into workforce and being like, oh, like it's okay. Like, okay. We can like do a polo shirt. Yeah. yeah. Like we ain't got to do a full, you know what I'm saying? so many the full suit you know what I mean like we can we can like shift this a little bit but like I, I mean I totally get it like the the corporate thing is like a whole nother whole nother um, layer whole nother layer and let's um, add like sorry real fast no, you're fine. the black piece to it right because oh, yeah. we watch our parents or grandparents assimilate for for survival I have to go to work after my mouth closed I gotta do I gotta actually work twice as hard yeah. right to get half of what they have so you better suck it up and you get your paycheck that mm-hmm. obviously yep. um that theology gets passed down so here we are okay we're kind of accepting ourselves outside of work but with corporate i need this check i need yeah. to get to the back yeah. so yeah. That, going back I mean, to just like is this all i gotta do is this all i gotta do skirt it is feel mm-hmm. me <laughs> like let's get it because this, this check, switch on. these lights gotta <laughs> get you know what i mean these lights gotta get these lights gotta stay on rent gotta Facts. be paid you know Facts. so it, it, and right. I got to buy these Jordans for when I'm not in here. So <laughs> I got to put on this skirt and go to work. You know what I mean? And I see a collection in the background. Hey, right, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> slowing down a little bit. You know, we got a little one on the way. So I got to oh, you know, gotta chill a little bit. Um, That's beautiful. But yeah, it's just, you know. Um, so you are a poet. Yes. Yes. How indeed. did you get started with that? Um, and and kind of like what's been, you know, your journey and kind of like your uh, end goal, if you have one, with your yeah, poetry? Yeah. Definitely want to share that. So poetry has been an evolution within itself for me. I think it's funny. I could probably mirror the timeline of my transition with poetry, with my transition into my sexuality and how I present myself. Um, but that might be a poem. Yeah, <laughs> one day, uh, if I can mirror that. But um, I started writing, I would probably say around, uh, I got my first diary when I was six. Um, and so, you know, I went through a lot with my, my family and I was really you know, as a kid, I was questioning a lot, and I was very, very angry, um, and so I turned to just, my, my aunt gave me a diary, I would just, my great aunt, I would write in it, um, and eventually, I would start to rhyme out of nowhere, like, I don't know how it came over me, I'm like, it, it could have been, you know, rap playing an influence, and that's my mother, uh, she had me very young, she was 15, and she had me, very young mom, blasting, you know, all the, you know, hip-hop, basically any hip-hop that was out in the 90s, she was blasting it, so, you know, maybe that's where I started to rhyme, but I just, I don't know where it started to rhyme. And um, eventually um, I started to take that, you know, growing up in the church, you get told, come on, baby, come down and speak. 
what did you learn? And so I realized that I had a gift of speaking as well. Um, and so, you know, I would say around middle school, I would tie in the things that I write with my speaking capability and I would read these poems in front of the church. And that was, and um, that was that, that was, it was between basketball and writing. <laughs> and I flirted with the basketball. I was terrible at the cadence. So, I mean, poetry is my thing. You know, let me just read, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Speak to it. I would say early high school, um, I got exposed, or early high school, late middle school, I got exposed to Def Jam poetry. Mm. I don't know, you I don't know, you yeah. probably know, you're very familiar. And I was like, man, like they kind of do what I'm doing, but they're doing it way cooler than I am. So I would just study, you know, everybody that touched that that stage that most deaf had on there. Um, I would study the way they said things, the way they memorized it, how they their their facial expressions, their body language, and um. I started to do more of that in high school, especially when I quit basketball for reasons that I was super upset about, um, you know, with my, my, my child, my, my at-home life. It wasn't set up to go to practices and all this stuff and support it. Um, so I quit. But poetry was a thing where I could do that no matter where I'm at. So I just gravitated to that. I studied it um, and I started performing more and more. I did my first, my first slam competition in high school. Um, senior year of high school is when I did my first slam um, my slam competition and so from there I just critique 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 and you know evolve into the poet that I you know I am now spoken word artist um that's that was my the timeline of how I got into writing and how it evolved um I think another thing that I would say with that is also the transitions of things that I would write about right so growing up obviously in the church was very faith-based a lot of faith-based poems High school, middle school was more of like, I'm learning about things that affect black folk um, in a way that wasn't radical yet. In a way, it was, it was very Martin Luther King, you know, prior to, you know, the 1960s, right? Right before, you know, the, mm-hmm. the first version of Martin Luther King that we got, it was very much so overcoming. This is what we learned through overcoming. High uh, College, it shifted to this radical radical blackness of like you know Malcolm X later late in life Dr. King NWA F the police (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely the activist in me started to get Mm -hmm. angry right because the timing aligned with Michael Brown that Michael Brown uh shooting Mm -hmm. and so that's that that was my passion as you can tell I do not talk about sexuality and love Mm -hmm. (laughs) I did not I could not fuse the two just yet in my love poems it was very so funny I'm thinking back to my early love poems very um uh, high level I wasn't specifically saying pronouns I was keeping it very broad open to interpretation plain is safe I didn't start writing about my sexuality get this probably until 2019 Mm. so not that long ago Mm -hmm. so that process of radical acceptance of how does my work reflect who I am right so Mm -hmm. I say that specifically because as an artist um, a queer artist, I think it's really important for us and creatively as you're doing to tell the stories of, of our experiences. And I didn't tap into that since about 2019. So, you know, my goal is to make sure that my art reflects every part of my identity, not mm-hmm. just the parts that make people comfortable. You know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> what up? It's your host, Ashley, and I'm interrupting this podcast to ask, are you following us? Have you downloaded the podcast? Are you subscribed to us on YouTube? If you're not already, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all platforms, Queerly Black. I'm going to let y'all get back to the show. Peace. So that's my that's my writing journey. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. For sure. yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's 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 dope. Do you still have like your journals from like when you were younger? It's funny. I was trying to find. I had one from high school. I was trying to find my first one from um when I was like six or seven. Um, I couldn't find. It. I was in my grandma's house like last week in Kansas City, and I could not find it. But I would like to, uh, cause my my goal, you know, I'm working on a book right now. Uh, my goal is to eventually when I get to where I want to be to like here's like you know the first the first writings of how terrible I was. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I can't find that that thing nowhere. I was like, cuz I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, you good? Your grandma probably yeah. got them hidden somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. She's she, still talking about somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Um. I got two more questions for you. Um. For sure. First one is, if you had a theme song for your life, what would it be? Can I do a compilation? Because I thought about this question. I have to do yeah. a compilation. It will be a compilation of Congratulations by Drake, uh, it From Time by Drake, and then um, Intentional by Travis Green. I would, for some way, I know Intentional's a Ooh, Intentional's song. my, that's my that's joint. Song. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a smash. Like, yeah, I would probably one. start off with, like, the, um, the uh, From Time by Drake, and then go into intentional and then end it with congratulations i feel like they all kind of play into each other very well that would be my theme song that's 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 a, that's sure. a nice lineup right there i like yeah that. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh final question is if you had advice for someone who's on their own career journey what would it be yeah i mentioned it quite a bit um you know the term radical acceptance and it to me it was inspiring to hear that phrase originally by my close group of friends who were sharing like about our past traumas and vulnerabilities and how we thought our life should should be right what our lives was versus our expectations um, and how to kind of reconcile the two. So we came up with this, we didn't come up with it, but we talked about radical acceptance. And for me, I would say for any queer uh, person that is dealing with this, this idea of accepting themselves and, and how do I come out, et cetera, is radical acceptance consists of a couple of things. One of those things being being super honest with yourself first. I mean, I wouldn't even start the coming out process with anyone. So you start with yourself um, and then gain that courage to be like, okay, with this radical acceptance comes a radical understanding that things may not meet my expectation, right? I might be met with disappointment. I might be met with total, complete surprise and get a reaction that I didn't expect. I might be met with more trials that come with um, me accepting myself. I might be met with more opportunities, right? In a positive way that comes with accepting myself. But a radical acceptance is that acceptance that is all encompassing, that no matter what, I have to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so I would say, understand the nuance of radical acceptance um, for yourself first. And how does that manifest into everything that you do? And I think the second piece would have, was, is to have courageous faith. Because um, sometimes we, it's not the easiest process. I'm not going to sit up here and say, like, hey, being queer. It's a great, it's great, it's amazing, but it's it it sucks sometimes. It sucks sometimes, right? It's just like anything 100%. in life. One hundred percent, it sucks. So courageous faith, it, it, it to me, it's important because you ha you have to have, be optimistic that it's going to get better, that you can write your own story that is not dependent on someone else's views or acceptance of you. That as long as you have radical acceptance of courageous faith, man, the sky's the freaking limit, and what a beautiful experience and journey that it's going to be. So that would be my piece of advice. Hundred yeah, percent, I yeah. love that. Absolutely. Tell the people to tell the people where they can find you. Yes, defining justice. You can find me by that tag on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter is defining just. Had to play around with it because defining justice was taken. YouTube, defining justice, Justice Davis is my last name. 
um, thedefiningjustice.com for any bookings or upcoming shows or more about my poetry and my path as an artist. Go to my website. It's also a link in my Instagram bio. Check me out. Appreciate oh, you guys. Man. Yeah, Justice, thank you so much for coming through. Definitely appreciate you. Love chopping it up with you. This was a great conversation. Hey, man, if y'all not already following us, follow Queerly Black on all platforms, mainly Instagram, YouTube. Go subscribe to the channel, download the podcast. And y'all already know, man, it's another episode of the Queerly Black Show. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll catch y'all on the next one.